All right, boys and girls, episode 79 with Sumi Singh is about to start, and this is another great episode. Uh, Sumi is kind of like a Facebook celebrity in a lot of fitness groups, and she came across my podcast as I came out with a bunch of different interviews with a lot of people that she admired, and she reached out to me, connected with me, uh, with a bunch of other people, and I was like, you know what, I should interview you. You seem like an amazing individual, and you will see how awesome Sumi is in this freaking episode. Her personality is contagious. It was a lot of fun. We cover a lot of different topics and you know what i'm just not going to even give you a preview because her personality is just amazing so just listen enjoy and here we go hey guys welcome back to another episode of cut the shit get fit i'm your host rafael matuszewski and joining me today is the one and only sumi singh say hello hi so nice to be on the show thanks so much for having me here no problem. So I always like to start off by asking my guests, what do you got planned for the weekend? You know, this is typical, the typical mother daughter stuff that I have every weekend. And I've, I've heard your show a couple of times already. And I know that you tend to ask this question as an icebreaker. So I was telling my daughter, hey, I'm going to be on this show. And I know he likes to open up every single podcast with this question. What are you going to do this weekend? I'm like, hey, Shyla, so what are we going to do this weekend? And she goes, just tell him. And she says it just like this. None of your beeswax, buddy. So, so, so I'm like, uh, what do you mean? None of your boots are just typical Shyla. But, you know, it's we have a lot of things going on. It's, you know, she's got she's into sports and she's into kung fu and she's got like a basketball camp going on tomorrow. And we're going to bond over a movie and hopefully some Netflix and chill kind of stuff. So but, it, you know, my weekends tend to revolve around her and I have my own training schedule. But that's typical weekend for me. Awesome. Uh, so tell the audience who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry? So I am a personal trainer here in Austin, Texas, and I've been doing this since my 20s. Um, I'm 41 now. I am also the author of a book called Stay at Home Strong, which is a home-based workout program for new moms, which I am terrible at marketing. Um, <laughs> and I even have an apparel line, which I am also terrible at marketing. And I am so terrible that even my own daughter is like, what? you wrote a book. So, and I, you know, if I had a dollar for every single client who told me you wrote a book, I'd, I'd probably even richer than I am now. Um, and I've also done, um, some fitness modeling since my early thirties of done fitness apparel and catalogs, modeling some books and videos. Um, outside of that, I was born and raised in the Philippines, though I am of Indian descent and I am quite possibly the most overeducated trainer. Most people know, I have an undergraduate degree from Tufts and um, a master's from Duke. And uh, I'd also like to add, I am the uh, personal trainer that eats protein powder straight up because I just want to get right to that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I know we were talking about that on, on Patrick's Eat, Train, Progress Forum, and I just thought that was hilarious. So that's one thing. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, like, what made you want to write a book for mothers in the first place? Well, I mean, it's definitely one thing that I can speak intelligently to because I am a mom. And, um, you know, obviously prior to writing the book, I was already a trainer. So I knew as you know, part of what I do is to role model. And I wanted to get back in shape um, after having my baby. And, you know, it was something that I thought I thought I could eventually use as a product to sell. But 
I wrote a lot. Um, I initially had gotten started in writing um, back in the day, and this is no longer the case. There used to be forums online that you would, you know, pay a membership to. Now we have Facebook forums. But um, Will Brink had a forum called Bodybuilding Revealed, and he, he would see me write some stuff up in the forum and said, you know what, you really ought to start just writing. And back then there weren't a lot of people blogging and doing stuff like that. And that's obviously changed now. But, um, I was finding that I was giving a lot of advice to new moms, how to get back in shape and that kind of thing. And I had written so much and put it together over the years. So I thought I'm just going to compile this together. And, um, that's how that happened. That's awesome. Especially back then, because there wasn't a lot of information for women. You just saw the body, like bodybuilding yeah. magazines of big dudes. And like, yeah. women were like, oh, I guess I'll just go on the treadmill then. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, exactly. People weren't thinking about getting back into shape by, you know, lifting weights and stuff like that. But, you know, I used to do a lot prior to having Shyla. I was, you know, doing group fitness. I was also a trainer. I worked full time. Um, I was, you know, running. I was doing, you name it, lifting weights. I did everything. But once I had her, I really had to narrow my focus. And I knew with all the information I'd learned over the years, the one thing that was going to get me back in shape was strength training and weight training. And if I had limited time, that is what I was going to do. How, how early did you get back into training? Because I know, like, I'm, I'm kind of curious because for a lot of trainers out there, some have kids, some don't. And when mm -hmm. I train, like, my mothers, it's always interesting to see when they – you know, they have a baby, they may, mm -hmm. may like take their six weeks and they're like, Oh, I can't wait to get back to the gym. And some right. others are like, you know, I'm going to see how long I can stretch this out before I have to go back. So I'm kind of curious, how long did it take you to get like back into the gym and make it part of your life again? Sure. You know, I actually had a, a very, very healthy, very easy pregnancy. So I had this thought in my mind that I was going to be, you know, pop the baby out and get right back to training. But <laughs> Um, I had a complication during my labor and delivery, so I had to have a last-minute C-section, which kind of blew my mind because that meant you can't train for, you know, six to eight weeks. And I literally thought, I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be terrible. What am I going to do? But, you know, the number one thing was what is my doctor telling me to do? And he said, you you know, you had such a great pregnancy. Um, you'll probably be back in shape, you know, or get back to doing some form of exercise in about six to eight weeks. But, you know, you see how it goes, see how the stitches heal. And, um, I listened, I, you know, basically just started with walking and just a little bit at a time because, you know, C-section is just super invasive. It's a longer recovery than most women. And there's, there's a lot of inflammation around, um, the scarring and the soft tissue trauma that, and it takes a while to calm down. And I, you know, happens, um, that, you know, it varies from person to person. So I would say the first thing you could do uh, to any new mom is just check with the doctor and see what you what you should be doing and then from there take it easy it's just baby steps all the way up until you really feel like you can um, so. when you had your baby was there any like info about like postnatal like rehab exercises because like the only person I think of is like Jesse Mundell from yeah. Girls Gone Strong so I'm sure, curious yeah. what what you looked for when you were uh yeah. ready to go yeah, I'm familiar with Jesse too. And, you know, back then there, there, you know, that was 10 years ago. Uh, there was no social media in the sense that there wasn't Facebook or Instagram. And I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but it is what it was. So we had books 
right? <laughs> yeah. <They're relied> on. <laughs> I mean, everyone has read that, the what to expect while you're expecting that book. All moms have read that one. And there was another website and I'm sure it's still active. It's called pregnancy.com. And they, you know, it was one of those sites where they show you the, the growth of the baby throughout your pregnancy and what to expect after your labor and delivery. So I kind of went with that as far as information. And of course, you know, I have a mother and she came um, shortly right before the birth of the baby to help out. So she was the one person who I was constantly asking questions to. And, um, you know, how do you think I'm healing? And that kind of thing, because she was a nurse in her day, too. So I was lucky to have those tools to my advantage. But, yeah, social media was not there for better or worse. Yeah, because like I remember even like chatting with some of my clients and I asked them, like, oh, what did your doctor say to do for like rehab after you gave birth? And they're like. They just told us to do Kegels, like uh-huh. that's yep. it, and that like yep. they they don't know anymore. Like that's why I, I like working with a pelvic floor physio with my clients too, just to get them started and then guidelines from there. But most doctors yeah, don't like, even like think that far ahead. It's no, like no, not at all. Nobody even mentioned that stuff. I mean, yeah, we all heard about the Kegels, but yeah, the the pelvic floor uh, physiotherapy stuff. Nobody ever mentioned that to me. You know, diastasis recti, which I'm probably mispronouncing, wasn't wasn't even brought up. And so I just assumed that once the stitches healed and I felt like my body was able to move, I would move. And that's what I did. So. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is like, I always find that especially with the marketing nowadays, they always put this pressure on mothers to like get their baby weight off as fast as possible. But at the same time, it's quite the process. Like a lot of stuff just happened to your body and now mm-hmm. adding the stress of like, Oh, I need to lose all this weight as fast as possible. Yeah. What like kind of advice would you like give a brand new mother to kind of get that out of her head? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up because I really feel like there's just so much more pressure now on, on moms and, you know, women in general to look a certain way. Um, and it's more so in this day of, social media. And I was lucky that I didn't have to deal with that. Um, but I think the number one thing that they could do if they really do feel like they're tied in so much to, you know, social media messaging is to, to really be aware of who and what they're following. Because, you know, I, I, I follow some of those pregnancy sites on, on Instagram and Facebook just to see what's out there. And there's some really, really terrible, terrible information. Just, you know, you'll, they'll post videos of, you know, new moms working out with their baby, which is, which is great. It's super encouraging, but not everyone's going to look like that right away. And, um, so I would cultivate that social media, uh, message that you see very carefully. Um, the other thing is, you know, set realistic goals that are in line with what you actually value. I mean, do you really want to be a size two again after having a baby? Yes or no. I mean, could you be happier at a healthier, heavier weight? Um, those are things that you have to ask yourself, you know, as a new mom, uh, check what your doctor recommends. If you did in fact gain uh, a lot more weight than you should have, you know, maybe he's right. If he's telling you, you need to be slowly losing this amount over time. You know, your doctor is going to be, you know, one of your strongest allies as you rebuild. Um, and then be aware of whatever self-talk that you're telling yourself. I know it's super hard, not just for moms, but you know, women in general, like, uh, and you are, you are a trainer to many women. And so you hear this, right? Um, whether or not they're saying it, you know, out in their heads or to you or whatever, it's, I'm sure you catch it in passing conversations of how women talk to themselves. And I I would encourage, I would encourage new moms to, to focus on what's going right. And if it's that you have a healthy, happy baby, then great. But, you know, build on that, focus on 
the good things that are happening versus constantly wondering why your body doesn't look like the way it does. I mean, it takes a, a while to get back to where you were. Yeah, and I think with the whole social media thing, it's like either a really good thing or a really bad thing. Because like I've seen, I've read an article about this. There was this one woman on Instagram that was kind of like went viral because she had I think four or five kids and she mm-hmm. had a full blown six pack and she posted like an image yeah. with all of her kids saying like you you what's do your- have team or like what's your excuse? Yeah, something yeah. like that. And yeah. then I think the following year she went back and posted another post saying that she realized how unrealistic that was. And she was yeah. like the exception to the rule. So she there's, was. yeah, there and there was, there's yeah. so much out there like that. And people mm-hmm. just have to be careful, like almost audit the people that you're following online. Yeah. I mean, I mean, good for her. Good for that mom. I mean, you know, terrific for her that she was able to get in that, that kind of shape. I mean, I mean that, that kind of message does resonate with some people, but then, you know, when people say things like, well, what's your excuse? Well, some people have really great excuses, you know, you could be a single mom to a mother of three, you know, you may be trying to make ends meet by still working, you know, two jobs or anything. It's just like, we don't live in another person's shoes to be able to be like, well, what's your excuse? Well, maybe somebody has got a great excuse. Yeah, you're completely right. And I was going to ask, like, what advice do you have for moms trying to fit in their workouts? Because like, there's so many different situations. But one that comes to mind is like, I was coaching this one woman she had three mm-hmm. kids but they were all one year apart they mm-hmm. were wow. sell yeah they were <laughs> selling their house at the same time her husband started a new business and i was mm-hmm. like holy crap like <laughs> that is a lot of shit going on yeah. and she's like i just don't know how, where to like put myself like i like i was like i i was like speechless i'm like that's a really tough situation so What's kind of like a tip or trick for mothers finding time, even if they have such like a busy day or a busy life now with a kid? Sure. No, that's a great question. Um, My advice would be to start very, very, very small. And I realize that's a hard message to hear because we all want to do it all. And, you know, I'm a mom, too. And so I know that I want to do it all and I want to be viewed as capable and amazing of able to do everything. But, you know, you really do have to take it easy once you've had a baby. And, you know, and if it means uh, a 10 minute walk on, you know, the first time you just venture out to exercise, that's good enough, you know, and maybe the next time you start adding on. And if you're, you know, want to do brisk walks and uphill walks and just constantly make it more challenging, but gradually, that would be a great way to begin. Um, and, and it's like if, with, with a focus on nutrition, too, I think, you know, the one nice thing about being pregnancy is that it, it forces you in a way to clean up your diet and focus on, you know, more wholesome things like fruits and vegetables and that kind of thing. The kind of the kind of things you find in the perimeter of your grocery store. And and the same would be true of, you know, maintaining those lessons that you learned while you were pregnant. Why don't those apply to you postpartum? So that's another easy thing. Like, we'll go back to kind of eating the good foods that you ate while you were pregnant. Um, so start to embrace the basics again, you know, drinking more water, eating more veggies, the kind of stuff you and I are always talking about with our clients, right? And I think these these small habits tend to build upon another. And before you know it, you'll be in a healthier place. I think that's that's one thing. So start small, start with the small habits. Um, the other, I guess, trick or tip would be is if you have um, a husband or a partner who is supportive or a close friend, a family member who you trust or a babysitter, try to get help. You know, and, and it's I think it's tough for some women who, again, who think that they have to do it all, but there's no shame in asking for help. I um, am immensely grateful for my mother 
who came down and she spent three months with me after having the baby. And she helped me by cooking meals, you know, picking up around the house, helping with laundry, all those things. Um, if I wanted to go out for a walk, I wouldn't have to worry about it. And these are the kind of things that if you can hire out and ask for help, I would, um, that, that would be, I guess, a trick. Um, and then the other thing is you don't have to go to the gym. Like, I think there's, there's a pressure to return back to status quo, but you and I know that you can create a perfectly good workout at home using, using resistance bands or dumbbells, you know, body weight exercises, stuff like that. Um, and you'll be perfectly fine. And once you have the time and you've kind of get gotten back into your rhythm of doing things, then you can get to the gym, but enlist help and start small. I say it would be two simple, simple tips. And like the one thing I was going to bring up, I can't remember who said it on my show, but because uh, I've brought up this whole like training mothers and how to get them to be successful. And one of mm-hmm. them said to me that if a woman was raised in structure, that mm-hmm. the moment she has a child, it, like nothing really changes. It's just another addition to her schedule and everything yes. else can be fit in. But where someone who's kind of like go with the flow, just like, oh, I'll see what happens today, will have a higher rate of failure. Do you think Mm -hmm. that kind of is true? Oh, absolutely. But that's true, not just with anybody. That's true with anybody, right? The kind of person who lives a life of structure and scheduling. And I definitely I definitely was that person. Like I everyone would say, well, you know, nap when the baby naps. But I was not that type of person. Like, nope you know, I'm going to clean or I'm going to go for a walk. And I'm not saying that that's what somebody else needs to do, but I was definitely a structured person. I also hardly ever left the house because I was nursing for a very long time. And she would like nurse on the hour, every hour for 45 minutes straight. So in, so in that way I was very much schedule oriented and I, I believed because I had to get back to work so soon. I think I was maybe off for six to eight weeks. So because she actually, as soon as my parents, as as soon as my mother left three months after I delivered, she, my daughter was already in daycare. So I was already back to the routine of working out of working, um, very shortly after. So, you know, bedtimes, nap times, all that stuff. I really did stick to it. Um, so whether or not that's something that somebody else needs to do isn't, isn't my place to say, but I, I, I'm definitely one of these people who, who did stick to a schedule and I think that's make it easier. Yeah, like, because I got really, like, curious about this because I have, like, a handful of mothers I trained that are, like, really successful with training and then some that are kind of just off and on type of personalities. But I've been mm-hmm. asking them, I'm like, how do you make this a priority? And then one told me, she's like, because she trains with me twice a week at 6 a.m. She's like, I oh. wake up my husband at 5 a.m. to watch yeah. the kids and I just go to the gym. And that's I'm right. like, that's hardcore. That's, right. that's awesome. <laughs> No, that's great. No, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome when you have somebody who can help you. And, and again, if you're, if you are in the position where you don't like you're a single mother or something like that, see if a family member can spend some time with you. Um, it, it just depends on, on situations, right? Otherwise, if you can find a way to, to enlist help and pay a babysitter, it's great for your sanity. You know, if you can, if you can afford that, otherwise you're looking at working it out at home when, you know, maybe when the baby naps, you're getting in some working out of your own, but that, that self-care is so important. And I think like, if it's a priority in your life, you'll make time for it. And one of the examples I've been giving to my clients now is, uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. He works out Mm -hmm. seven days a week and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that guy's pretty busy (laughs) on a daily basis. And if he can make time, like anybody can make time. It's just you kind of exactly. want you need to want it enough. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think once something becomes a priority in their own head, then they'll get it done. Right. It's just yeah. like with anything, we can't make anybody do anything, but once they decide they want to commit to it, then they're all in. And that's what we can only hope for Yeah. as trainers. Um, so the next thing I wanted to bring up, I don't think I've ever talked about it on my show before, but, um, postpartum depression, have you ever dealt with a client that went through it? And if you did, have you, what did you do to kind of help them through it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's another great question. I think, I think that, you know, in, in actuality, no, as far as postpartum depression, but you know, this, there are lots, and I mean, lots of women who are dealing with all kinds of stress, you know, whether it's hormonal or if it's post-pregnancy or postpartum depression, if it's just life, you know, being a woman, um, it comes up in training. You and I see this all the time, right? And as much as we, we, you and I want to keep the focus on the training session, sometimes shit happens, right? And I think our, our greatest strength, because we are both so deeply connected with, you know, the real experts on these matters is the best thing that we can do is to refer out. And that is, there's where our strength lies. I, I mean, I really like to keep the focus in the gym on the workouts in the gym, because, you know, it's hard enough as it is to even make the time to come see a trainer and to work out. And it's hard enough and you got this stuff going on in your life. And, you know, sometimes there, there are really sad moments that you, that you share and you bond with clients, you get to know their families. Um, but you and I don't have, I mean, unless you're a psychiatrist or something, we can't, um, judge or give advice unless we've said, Hey, you know what? I, I know about what happened the other day in training and, um, without sounding like a total asshole, you can be like, maybe, it's, you know, maybe, you know, the thing that you brought up the, you know, cause they'll confess all kinds of things to you. What, you know, you just be open-minded. Like what, what made you to decide to do, you know, X, Y, Z. And do you want to talk about this or can we, um, maybe look at options for exploring it with an expert, you know, cause I've had people tell me things like, you know, I'll, I'll hide food or eat, you know, straight up sugar in the, in the closet because I'm just dealing with stress this way. And you're like, huh, okay, well tell me more about that. And then I would just be super open-minded and cautious with, with, with approaching that. I, how would you do it if, if somebody was in, in, you know, coming to you with this problem, I think you'd handle it the same way. You wouldn't try to be the expert on it, especially if you're not right. Oh Yeah. Like I would not try to touch that with a 10 foot pole, but I think the tough thing is like, cause of a profession, like mm -hmm. clients will explode all their yes. emotions and feelings yep. to you. And you're like, I don't know what to say or do right now. And <laughs> yeah, quiet. yeah, but, just, um, you know. it's interesting cause like mental health is such a big issue, but if mm -hmm. sometimes if you bring it up with somebody, they almost get offended and it's like, okay. why is this so taboo? Like, Cause I personally would love to go see a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, just to, like, cause I've never tried it before. And my mm -hmm. only fear is that if I do, it's like going to bring up a lot of more issues. And I was like, Oh, I feel worse than I came in, but <laughs> no, 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 there's, there's absolutely no shame in it. I mean, I, I went through, um, you know, a, a little bit of that, my own struggles when I went through a, a divorce and I was a new mom and, you know, a young single parent. And I knew, I knew I needed to go see somebody and I did. And it was tremendously helpful. I don't think there's any shame in that. Um, and we all see a benefit if, you know, we stick to the plan just like any other plan. Um, but again, yeah, you, it is, it is something that's super hard for us to bring up, but if, if they bring it up and it keeps coming up, it's, it's not like you need to be a complete, a complete jerk and be like, Hey, you need to see a shrink, but you know, there are ways around it, but always keep an open mind and listen. Right. Yeah. Um, you don't have to answer this, but I'm kind of curious. So when you were going through your divorce, 
Did mm-hmm. you end up like not going to the gym whatsoever? Did you kind of shut yourself out? Cause I've seen, like I've had one client where they literally disappear, like didn't answer my emails, didn't answer my texts. And then two yeah. months later they show up back to the gym and they went through a divorce. And I was like, dude, you could have told me like, yeah. I was like, I was worried about you. So I was kind of curious, like what kind of happened in your life that you sure. know, was normal. And then it, did it like disappear or like, I'm just kind of curious. No, that's, that's a fair question. I, and I could see how your client would respond that way. Um, but in my, in my own case, um, because I had to work and I was uh, self-supporting myself, um, income wise, I didn't really have a choice. Like I was going through, um, some things, but it's not like I could just not go to work cause I was the sole breadwinner. So in a way that was good because it forced me to get up. If, if, if I, if I didn't have to work, I probably would have just stayed in bed all day, you know, and not done anything. And because I work and my situation is different, I work in a gym, right? So because I work in the gym, I am going to the gym and I am training clients. I'm getting up at the same time. I still have my responsibilities to my daughter and to her school. And, um, so I was in the gym. So because I was there, I, I would still train. I mean, I'm, I know my focus is nowhere near what it is now, but I was there and I, and I knew about you know the benefits of exercise that you and I know. And even if I got forced myself to, to get some sunshine, I would. And the other thing is I have a dog. So that's kind of nice. They, they make you go out, right? They make you get out, go out and get sunshine, which is, I think, great. I mean, exercise is medicine to some extent. I know that when you're suffering through real depression, sometimes you barely feel like you can get out of bed. So it's not like, hey, go exercise. And that, that's really hard. And I think for most people who have, you know, real jobs and other things to attend to, it's not like they're in the gym all the time like I am. So... Okay. I just, yeah. Well, like first, like I got to say, like you're a very strong person. That was, that's amazing that you could keep going. But I think that's kind of from what I've seen, like if you can keep your life as normal as possible, it'll kind of take your mind off of things. Yes, absolutely. Because like absolutely. when you go to work, it's like at least a good eight hours of your day where you have something to do constantly and not yeah. think about, oh, shit, my life's like falling apart. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. You know, even in the time that I was kind of going through my roughest part in my life, that is actually when I started, you know, really writing my ebook. And and I even filmed the video. <laughs> I was doing all this stuff where I look back and go like, I can't believe I did all that stuff now. But obviously, I'm thankful for it because it kept me busy. And I knew I just know my personality type, like staying busy is just a really great way to cope with stuff. So <laughs> that's what I do. And I do it well. So nice. um, since you're kind of like a celebrity online and yeah. like a complete right. inspiration to a lot of women, I'm curious, what's kind of like your first two hours of a typical day for you? Like, what do you do? I um, like to wake up before everybody else in the house gets up and demands me. <laughs> so I'm up really early every morning, like uh, 5.30, 5.45, because, you know, I have a dog. So before I even get to the kid, like he needs to be attended to. But before that happens, I need to have coffee like everybody else, right? Yeah. And so um, typically the early morning is the only time I have to really catch up on emails and the sort of stuff you do, social media. And I love to send a personal text to all my clients and check in with them. You know, so they're used to me texting at like six in the morning going, hey, how are you feeling? Or me making fun of them. So, you know, I, I kind of get all that stuff done and out of the way. And then I do the typical stuff that I think every mother or, you know, parent has to do, which is, you know, get breakfast ready, uh, get the bags packed, get the lunches packed and all that stuff. And, you know, 
from the time I wake up until the time, you know, my, I drop my daughter off at school and head over to work. It's, you know, it's, it's packed. I don't, there's not really much of much time, but I, you know, you have to walk the dog and it's super boring. I mean, what can I tell you? My life revolves around, you know, my daughter and my dog. <laughs> so but I don't, I don't exercise before I, I see my first client at eight, but I don't do any exercise before that. Cause you know, half the time I'm commuting and running around myself. So awesome. Super- um, so the next question I wanted to ask, cause like I haven't had any kind of like cultural type of person on this podcast, but, mm-hmm. um, cause you said you're, you are an Indian girl that was raised in the Philippines. So how did you end up in the Philippines in the first place? Like, that's what I'm, I want to start this question with. Yeah. You know, my dad's job placed, uh, well, he found a job in the Philippines. So he was actually there for like 33 years, which is actually super, super, super rare for an Indian, you know, back then to have left India because our, my entire family is there. They're still in India. So of all the people that he grew up with and he has a very big family, um, all the people he grew up, he was the only one who kind of thought, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave, I'm going to be out of here. So he actually got educated abroad and then, um, traveled a bit with his wife and then they settled down in the Philippines. So he was there for a long time. So that's where me and my brother were born and raised. Awesome. So it's interesting. Cause like, you don't really have an accent. And no. I was like trying to like figure out like if you spend so much time in the Philippines, you'd, mm-hmm. I would assume you'd pick something up. Cause like sometimes <laughs> with, my, with my wife, when she gets angry at me, she like, yeah totally sounds fob and I make fun of her and then like we stop fighting but yeah it's interesting that you don't have an accent but um when when did you immigrate to the states um well you know I came here for college and like a good immigrant I stayed (laughs) right (laughs) so I came I came to the U.S. and I got my undergraduate degree at Tufts in Boston and then after that you know from one from one student visa to another student visa to the H1 visa is you know I knew I was going to stay here put it that way so that's kind of how I stayed and I stuck so what was kind of like the biggest kind of like, I don't know, culture shock for you when you went to the States? Because you are in Austin, Texas, right? I am. I am now. I moved okay. here about six years ago, but I've really lived all up and down the East Coast for a very long time. So, um, but, I, but you know, when I first came here, I came here for college. I was fresh, just like, you know, you said your, your wife was a fob, right? Yeah. <laughs> came to Boston and, you know, of course it's a shock, but, you know, you, I was well prepared because I mean, in a sense, I, not that I'd ever visited or anything like that, but. I knew that, you know, college is going to be this amazing experience, but then, you know, you're thrust into the world of doing everything by your own. You know, we lead this sheltered, sheltered lives where our parents do everything for us. And then all of a sudden you're responsible for finances and, uh, you know, showing up to class on time and studying and all that. So, but I think that's very typical. I don't think it's anything bad. I think we all have to, um, find our way and college is the best four years of your life. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious, you don't have to answer this any as well, but, uh, did you ever face any kind of racism when you came over to the States? You know, I, I, I don't know or think I ever paid attention to that kind of thing. I'm, I'm sure it might've been around there, but I do think, and I could be, I could be completely mistaken. I almost think it's different for women, you know? Um, it, I don't, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't say that that's true for, for all across or every single nationality, but I don't feel like I was, um, Maybe it's more so if you were a, a, a man, but no, no. Okay, fair enough. That's yeah, because I'm just curious because I remember when I immigrated and like the one thing I've always like had in my head was that when I started going to school in Canada, the one thing that I got made fun of was my food. 
So I always had mm-hmm. Polish food with me for lunch and they're like, what the hell is that? That looks gross. And then yeah. eventually, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure, sure. There, there's that, but you know, who cares? <laughs> yeah. I was like, whatever, right? it tastes good. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> I'm still eating and you're not, right? Yeah. So bye. <laughs> so. Um, the other one was like, um, when you were growing up and getting into fitness and health, like, did your parents understand it? Because like... <laughs> Even my wife's parents, they still don't understand exactly what I do. <laughs> like, yeah. no, they, they, they honestly think I'm like a step aerobics instructor or something <laughs> with like the headset, like, all right, ladies, here we go. <laughs> Well, um, that's, that's a great question. And, and it's, it's, I think initially it was met with a lot of resistance, um, because, you know, it, it's not a typical path, especially for an Indian. Um, you know, we are raised with, this tremendous focus on education as being number one. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a very good thing. Um, but there's, there's less so of a focus on physical activity. And I know that's changing now, but you know, my own parents role modeled great behavior. My dad and my mom exercised every day. There was always healthful meals, um, at the table. So I'm super grateful for that because they, they did, you know, in their own way, role model, great fitness behaviors, even back then. And, you know, my dad had these sets of weights in his um, room that she kept in a closet. So it always like when he wasn't looking, I would run in there and lift weights. So I think they knew that even though I had no idea what I was doing back then, all I could do was like bro curls, you know, that was a workout. <laughs> but, you know, when I got to high school, I actually joined track and field and I was doing really well. And of my terrible build, you would think I'd be a runner, but I was actually a thrower because I really enjoyed it. And, um, I was so into it and I made the varsity team and the coach was like, you know what, you're really strong. And I think that initial push from him or those words from him were so motivating. So I know I pestered and pestered my folks like, I want to join a gym. The word, the weights at home aren't good enough. And then I got to a gym and then I just got stronger. And I remember being like one of the strongest girls, you know, maybe even stronger than some of the boys in the gym. And a lot of the coaches at that gym going, wow, you know, you're really strong. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I loved it. So I think my parents were used to me even being at, you know, being so young at just being a gym rat just early on. So that in that way, I don't think it was particularly surprising for them. Um, I'm sure my dad's going, but we paid for an education to do it for you. And now you're a trainer. (laughs) What have we done wrong? (laughs) But um, they probably stopped asking themselves now at this point, I'm 41. I I just, you know, this is what I do and they embrace it now. And, um, you know, they always have my, I think they've, they've always had my back. So I think that's great. That's good. Cause Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my wife being Filipino and when she decided to not go into the nursing program, her parents yeah. were like, what do you mean? Like, what else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No, I know. I, I know. And you know, for a very long time, I actually worked several jobs where I would work the quote unquote responsible job. And I was a trainer on the side, but you know, when I was a new mother, that led to burnout really quickly. I couldn't do it all. Like I was literally working 60 hours a week and supporting, you know, self-supporting income wise. And I just couldn't do it. It, I reached a point where I'm like, I cannot, I cannot, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll be a better mother if I focus on what I'm passionate about. And, um, with enough momentum, I had gained enough momentum at that point to kind of like, okay, well I have enough clients. I can make this jump. And I know it terrified my family. But um, they were there to support me financially um, and otherwise. So I was able to make that leap, which, you know, the best decision I ever made, right? Awesome. Um, the other one I wanted to bring up is what was your favorite thing about the Philippines? Oh, my gosh. Like, 
Have you ever been? Have you ever traveled over there? No, it's on my list though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just that, it's that island mentality. Everyone is so laid back and it, it's just it's sunny, it's happy, it's fruits are growing on trees. I mean, back then I know it's so different, but it was a kind of place where you literally step outside and, you know, walk around and climb fruit trees and it, it was just a relaxed way to live. Um uh, and and I know that's changed now because, you know, now there's just so much more pollution and traffic and hustle bustle and everything's becoming much more westernized, but it was a really a great place to grow up. And even though, um, I was an Indian growing up in the Philippines, I just, I never felt like an outsider. Uh, we were a very close knit community. So I always felt like everyone supported one another and we, you know, the, our, even though we, I didn't have any family there, the people who were in our community were super close. We're just like family. And we, you know, the parents treated the other kids as their own. So awesome. it's a terrific place to grow up. I think, Times have changed so much, though, now. I mean, you can say that about any place in America, too. You know, everything's changed. Now, can you speak Tagalog at all? A little bit. I mean, it's been how long am I? How old am I? <laughs> um, I left a long time ago, and I actually went to an international school where they spoke in English, which might be maybe why I don't have a noticeable accent. Like, you know, you said that your wife did. But, um, but yeah, I can still curse in Tagalog, so let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I was going to get into some of the Facebook questions because it, like, just blew up today. Um, <laughs> let's go with Nadia. She said, uh, have her fitness practices and goals evolved over the years? What are her current goals? How does she manage diet for powerlifting meats and otherwise? And what possessed her to eat protein powder with a spoon? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, the, so the first one is i'm sorry what was the very first part of that question um, like a, how has her right? fitness practices and goals evolved over the years okay. well, that's a great that's a great question you know i um when i first got started in fitness um i really wanted to be a role model for other indian women just because i didn't grow up with that i don't know if you watch um any bollywood movies but i was you know raised on that and um it's it's you know, there's lots of soft midsections, full hips, thighs, you know, boobs, full on voluptuous. And there's like absolutely nothing wrong with that. And in many ways, I think it's probably a better standard to grow up with, with those sort of female icons rather than the ones that we see it today, the Photoshopped images of, of in common fashion magazines, you know what I mean? But, but back then, um, I'd be damned if I ever saw like one Indian woman with an athletic body and I wanted to be that person. I was like, I want to set out and I'm going to be that, that fit Indian chick because I wanted to role model, um, for other girls. And so my focus, uh, I guess when I first started was, was fitness modeling and to get into that. So, you know, th but there's a lot of focus on how you look. So you're training for more for aesthetics, right. Versus pure strength. So that shift for me, after I kind of felt like I had, I had done that, like I had said I was going to model and I did it and I'm proud of it. But once once I realized I wasn't deriving much more satisfaction out of that, I was like, I want to do something different. And I said, you know, before I hit 40 or when I hit 40, I um, want to do powerlifting. And I, I've always admired strong women. And the focus on powerlifting is nothing to do with how you look. It's how you perform and how strong you are. And I already loved lifting weights. It's just a matter of shifting the focus around. So that's that's been the biggest shift for me is I accomplished one goal that I really had wanted to um and, you know, now in this day and age, I think it's great. We have so many um, fit Indian models out there and they're on Instagram and they're doing their thing and they've got tremendous following and they are in India and they are making a difference. And I think that's great. So more power to them. Um, but that was I think that was the first part of the question, like what has changed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then she wants to know what your current goals are. 
Um, to, well, right now it's to continue to compete in powerlifting and hopefully set some records for the um, my division and my weight class and the federations I compete in. And that's a really big goal, but I'd love to be able to do that. So my focus um, right now is is powerlifting, and it's not at all in um, aesthetics, which is great. I mean, you don't have to worry about having a six-pack, which is great. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other uh, portion of the question was, how does she manage diet for powerlifting meets? Oh, okay. Well, again, that's another thing. I think, uh, you, to some extent, I mean, it is a weight based sport, right? So you have to compete in the weight class that you are going to be competitive in. I mean, maybe not so much when you're first starting off, but, um, I compete in the 114 pound weight class. So you have to be aware of your weight, you know, stepping on a scale once a week. Um, but there, you know, I mean, I think as far as diet goes, I have always, eating sort of nutritious foods and the most part of my diet is pretty healthy. I'd say, I mean, we all have our, our guilty pleasures, but, um, I, I wouldn't say I'm super clean. There's just, I eat like a normal human being, you know, I think Alan Aragon's lean diet book where he has, you know, his 80, 20 rule where it's 80% quote unquote good. And you know what that means. And 20% fun is kind of where I stand as far as nutrition goes. Yeah. And I, I would encourage anybody who wants to compete in powerlifting to, you should have some sort of idea of what you weigh because it's, it's, that's important. But unlike, you know, being in fitness modeling or any of the physique sports where you're so focused on body fat and how you look, are your abs popping? Are your veins popping? Is your separation in your quads happening? Like, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff, really. I think the body, the body comes with, with time and with consistency. And, you know, this, even though you have to preach the message over and over, over again, um, these things take time, anything, right? And, uh, the last part, Cause I watched the video today before we recorded, but the protein powder thing, like where did that come up from? <laughs> I, I mean, obviously it goes straight to your muscles and why wouldn't you eat protein straight up? <laughs> My theory and I'm sticking with it. I, you know, okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I do it. It's because you know what? I got really tired of watching these videos of these people who would, you know, they would drink wine while they're working out. There's like a wine bottle attached to a treadmill and the, the chick is running after it. And all these videos would blow up on social media and I'd get tagged on all this stuff or, you know, somebody lifting weights, but the weight's actually a wine bottle. I'm like, how come I never do anything stupid that goes viral? Nothing. I can't even market my own book, right? <laughs> I want to eat protein powder. I'm going to be famous eating protein powder and that's my thing. But I'm still not famous. So, hey, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I, I was like waiting for like the moment you like start like like have you ever seen a cinnamon challenge where people like yeah. take the spoon and then they like cough up and sneeze yeah. out all the powder i was like oh this should be good <laughs> i was just waiting for it but he took it like a champ <laughs> i'm telling you i am a champ why, why are companies not calling me i don't know <laughs> yeah get your own supplement line right <laughs> It could be my thing. Like I could be that person who just eats protein powder and becomes famous. Like the chick who runs on the treadmill with the wine bottle attached to it. Like, I, you know, it's a testament to my, to my terrible marketing. I'm still not famous for eating protein straight out of the pill. I think everybody should try it just once. Yeah. Essentially the diet of every single bodybuilder is like our diet is paste, you know, entirely on powders. Anyhow, creatine and protein powder. What else do you need? Yeah. Um, so another question from Jared Chapman he asked, I'd like to know some background story on how she uh, found and hired her coach. So I don't know I think, if he's talking about his, your very first coach or just in general. Yeah, that's that, that's a good question. And I, and I also don't know what he means by that. Um, and and he, maybe he's talking about powerlifting. Uh, but uh, about a year, more, more than a year ago, I went to like a, some sort of powerlifting seminar that was here in Austin. And um, I decided that, you know, I wanted to get into lifting. So I was going to have to hire a coach and I, 
I, I did hire a first one. Um, that worked out okay. Then I found um, Tim um, Henriquez, who's been on your show. And uh, he was my first first powerlifting coach online. And I, I knew about his book. And he's he does such great work. And I knew he was one of these, these good guys. So I, I want him to coach me. Um, and he actually led me up to my very first meet. And, um, I did really well on that. I placed, uh, first in my Asian, my weight class. So, uh, shout out to Tim. He is amazing. Um, and then some stuff happened to me financially where I just didn't think it could be feasible, um, for me to continue that. Just I had a flooding emergency in the house thousands of dollars later. I just Jeez. had to tighten up, tighten up. Um, but the house is okay. Um, and Lyle McDonald, who you've also had on the show, accompanied me to my first, uh, meet there. And he observed a lot of the things that I was doing and I was doing a lot of things wrong. Um, and, and that's just because, you know, he can see things. That's kind of the thing. The thing about um, online versus, you know, in-person training. I mean, it's hard to see some of the things you're doing wrong on video. And that's the challenge with online training, right? Um, and with in-person, you can easily see what, what corrections need to be made. So he said, you know what? I'll take it over. I know you're under some financial stress, but it's so much easier to outsource. Even, you know, every good coach needs a coach, right? And he goes, I'll just, I'll just take over your programming, whatever is this you know, we'll, we'll handle it from there. So, and that grew into that. And he's actually, he's a great coach. I'm very lucky to work with him. And if Jer, if Jer's question was more towards how did I find Lyle, I've actually known Lyle since before I moved to Austin. So it's maybe been seven or eight years and we kind of met online. And before I even moved here, uh, we were speaking. And then when I moved here, he, you know, helped me with some job lead stuff and we've just kind of stayed in touch over the years. So we're close friends now, of course, and he does. He is my coach. Yeah, it, it's tough to coach someone online, and like I find that too when I have my online clients. But I always request like I need at least four different angles of your deadlift. I know it's a lot yeah. to ask, but please do it because yeah. there's so much going on. Oh yeah, absolutely, and, and and it's even more so when it's when you're trying to compete in an athletic event. Like I can, I could do the online videos are totally fine, especially for somebody who just, for the most part, you know people are not, at least not my client base. And I don't know about yours, but they're not looking to compete in powerlifting or anything like that. They just want to be strong or, you know, add muscle or whatever. And so, um, while video is important, it's probably not as critical as finding flaws in your lifts that you really can only see when you're in the person or in the gym with that person rather. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Nadia has another question for you. Um, how does she modify training for her body, uh, proportion slash long legs? Has she had any previous injuries or health setbacks and how did she work around them? Okay. So yeah. And with respect to uh, my terrible levers <laughs> for powerlifting, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually uh, five foot five and I'm all leg. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the photos or the videos of, of me lifting, but it looks like everyone makes fun of me. It's like, it's like Bambi trying to stand up. If you've ever watched me squat, <laughs> ever seen the videos of the baby giraffes as they stand yeah. up for and that's pretty much how I look like when I'm when I'm lifting because I'm just all femur and I have very short torso and, I, and it makes for great you know modeling because you've got long legs and a tiny torso but it's super useless for powerlifting. Um, but so how have I modified it? You know the number one thing I can do for myself is to focus on my own training and my own progress because I can easily compare myself and I'm you know five foot five, 114 pounds to a lifter who is 114 pounds. So same weight, but you know, five feet tall and with great levers. So I am definitely not built for the sport and, um, I can only do what I can do. 
Um, there's not, there's not a whole lot. <laughs> it's not like I can take a chainsaw to my femur. So that's kind of a joke. Um, but you know, widening stance is something that some people can do. I, um, I found that when I, when I go too wide on squats, for instance, it really bothers my old lady hips. Um, so I can't even do that. Um, and with, with deadlifting, everyone says, well, you know, just do sumo. But you know, when you have long femurs and a short torso, um, sumo is like really impossible. And it's, it's more of a style suited for somebody with a long torso and shorter legs. So I deadlift conventional, which makes it look like I'm, you know, like lower back exercise, but my lower back has gotten so strong from all the training that I've done that I'm really not that worried about it. Um, I've pulled kind of like my low back style for a while now. And so it, it looks, if you watch like my lifting videos, like I'm pulling it all back or like I'm doing a straight, a straight leg deadlift and it kind of is, but I've gotten used to that. And we've done a lot of accessory work to strengthen my lower back. Um, you know, heavy back extensions, heavy, good mornings, things like that. Just kind of bulletproof your back. Like the first time I put 225 on my back for a good morning is like, holy cow, but you know, I, I got it. So I know my low back health is nice and strong. Um, was that, that was that the question about, about modifying training with respect to levers? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Beyond, beyond that, I mean, I could gain 30, 40 pounds <laughs> and maybe then I'll finally have some quads. And the other, the other joke is maybe I should get a tattoo of some quads on my legs since I don't have any. <laughs> 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 I got to stop making fun of myself because I could go on all day. All right. <laughs> What was, the next, what was the next question? Something about something about injuries, I think. Is that what is it? Um, has she had any previous injuries or health setbacks and how did she work around them? So thankfully, thankfully, no, I am super, super lucky that I've managed to maintain, you know, injury free powerlifting body for a while now. And I hope it stays that way. Um, the only thing that I again that I've had that I've been through is this stuff postpartum. But again, you know, listen to your doctor. And I'm sure that if I, if I kind of went with my 20 year old ego, I would have thought, Hey, I could do whatever after having a baby, but that wasn't the case. And I had Shiloh when I was, you know, relatively older, I was 31. So I think I knew better at the time that I had to keep my ego in check. Um, and I, and I would encourage anybody who is coming back from a setback or an injury to do that is just to keep ready. Number one, check with your doctor, you know, hopefully if you're working with one and number two, keep your ego in check. So yeah, because, like, the only time when I, like, tweak something, like, you know, you have, like, that sharp little pull in your back, and you're like, damn it, now I can't lift yeah. tomorrow, it's yeah. usually when I go off the rails of what my volume's supposed to be, because a lot of times, if I'm following a program from another coach, or I'm following my own program, and I stay within, like, what my reps and sets and weights are supposed to be, I'm completely yeah. fine, but then you yep. get those days where you're like, oh man, I have like so much more energy. I should just like add another five pounds to my deadlift. And then you go and you're like, damn it. <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've all done stuff like that where, you know, we feel like we might've pulled something. And I, I just, I think over the years now, and then my lad likes to joke around with me. He's like, I'm glad you don't know how to keep your dick in your pants. Cause you know, <laughs> I do, I know, and I know how to keep it in my pants. What can I say? It's there. So, um, it, you know, keeping your ego in check is so important. And the other thing is, at least with, with powerlifting is that it's so important to stick to the program, right? So even if you feel like you said, ah, I feel like such a beast today, I want to add five pounds or whatever. You don't, because that's a nice thing. Stick to the plan and you'll be fine. I think. And that could be said with a lot of things, right? With somebody who's following a diet nutrition program, if you know, you know what the best thing you can do is to stick to the plan. And that's the only way you know if it's working for you. So a hundred percent. Um, the other thing I was going to ask, I've asked this to a couple of my guests, but do you think as the fitness industry as a whole is failing the general population? Gosh, I sure hope not. I mean, I, I think you and I both, 
um, are, are, are smart enough and I, and I can hope this, this spreads is that we try to spread the good messages. You know, the worst thing we could do is to make it worse by the first, you know, the media will always, always overhype something. So you'll get like a new study comes out that, you know, such and such vitamin is bad for you. And then they blow it all out of proportion. So I'm super careful. And I would encourage all other trainers, you know, to, to not just share anything, take a look at the source, you know, see if you trust it, you know, find, you know, five to 10 people, you know, in the industry who you absolutely trust, because I don't have the time to be pouring through all the research, right? I I just have too much going on, but we know enough people in the industry who are super smart, like Brad Schoenfeld and Lyle McDonald and Alan Aragon and all these, all these people like who are at the forefront of the research and everything that we can rely on for helping us to filter some of that information. So, you know, whoever resonates with you among these, these smart, smart people, use them to your advantage and see what they say. Give it time. You know, we're so quick to hit the share button and I just don't know why. Right. It's like, yeah. come back to it. And that way you are not spreading any misinformation. Uh, the message that you and I have to keep spreading is that this takes time. It takes consistency. It takes discipline. It takes years sometimes to achieve a goal, whether we want to, you know, the worst thing we can do is to sell the quick fix. I think, I mean, more of us need to be saying this will take a while. Whatever it is. I think like the big issue is like all these other companies that have a lot of money can market so well that even Mm. a client that you've been training for years will come to you and be like, Oh my God, did you hear about the Beyonce diet? And you're like, what? (laughs) I saw your your post on that. I thought that was hilarious. I haven't heard of the Beyonce diet. I got to get on the Beyonce diet. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think, um, that's the benefit of, you know, at least being one-on-one as a trainer and, and it comes up in conversation where, so, you know, somebody will be like, ah, so what do you think about this latest diet or detox or whatever? And depending on the client, you really do have to meet them where they're at. Because if they say to you and they really genuinely believe that XYZ diet is like going to help them and maybe it will, you know, ask them why, why do they think it's going to be a good choice? And I think your answer can depend on the client if you know them well enough, because, um, I know a lot of people come to me because I you know, we, you and I both have this like no bullshit approach. And, um, so they are already primed and ready to hear your message. So if they ask you about some new fad diet, if you know that they know you, you can kind of give it to them straight up. And that's, that's the best thing. I, I know people like the fact that I'm direct about this stuff, but you know, you may get somebody who really isn't. And so you have to be cautious about it because you don't want to make them feel bad about making a change that they think is positive. And, you know, maybe for them shifting to a new diet or whatever helps them eat more vegetables or fruit, whatever. There's, there might be something positive to it, but at some point when they are ready to hear that message from you, give it to them. Yeah, definitely. And the whole Beyonce diet, the way I found it was, uh, cause I'm a big fan of buzzfeed.com and mm-hmm. like, that's one, how I get my news and like look at random photos of cats <laughs> doing stupid stuff. But they had one of their employees like try it. And he did like a whole video on his whole experience. And I was like, okay, I really hope it's not going to be promoting it. And Mm -hmm. the video started off with him um, following it for the first, I think, two weeks. He felt like crap. But then like week three actually felt better. And he still kind of cheated here and there. And then at the end of it, of the video, like he kind of turned gears and he's like, yeah, it was definitely an interesting experience. But I don't think most people should do it because it's kind of extreme. And I love meat too much because it was an all vegan diet, too. 
Oh, wait a minute. Beyonce, Beyonce's diet was all vegan. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was oh, like you, you basically eat like a bunny rabbit that's on a diet. Like <laughs> he was oh. just hungry all the time. And he I think it was like a <laughs> cauliflower pizza. And he was like, yeah, no, this was not like a real pizza. He just ended up eating a pizza. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nice to see that the BuzzFeed <laughs> kind of promoted that it's something to try. But these are uh. the things that are not that great. And they've done other articles where they cited people like people from girls gone strong and other like reputable, like trainers for fitness mm-hmm. advice on their website. And I'm like, yes, Buzzfeed, you're going in the right direction. <laughs> so whatever, whatever you do, do not, do not, do not put Beyonce's diet in the show notes for this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seriously. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so very last question. Cause we're coming up to an hour. Uh, where can people find you online? Do you have any projects coming up? You should also promote your book. <laughs> Yes, I should. And other and anything else you want to plug in, you can totally uh, do that right now. So, well, um, I'm on social media as um, Sumi Singh and on Instagram as um, at the handle Shyla Fitness. So that's S H A I L A and the word fitness. And that's my daughter's name. And I named um, my personal training business after her because her name um, means the goddess of strength and confidence. Nice. So, um, yeah, no, I thought it'd be a great name for her because she embodies all of that and some more. And, um, so that is my Instagram name and my business name. Um, I, I have a book called stay at home strong, which I'll send you the link that you can link to, um, in the show notes. And that is a full, uh, workout program for new moms or busy moms that they can do at home with minimal equipment. And there's also even like, um, a, a nutrition plan in there and cardio planner and, um, goal setting stuff. And it comes with the complete videos and pictures and all that too and um yeah that's where i am let's stay at home strong and that can be found under my website which is shylafitness.com awesome so thank you so much for your time this was amazing thank you so much i really have admired you for a long time and the quality of of guests that you've had on your show is amazing so i am super super honored that i could be on your show because i have admired you for a very long time what did I tell you guys? Sumi was amazing. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode as she, her presence is just amazing and she could have talked for hours on this interview. And again, I'm going to ask all of you to please, please share this podcast. I am trying to grow this thing as big as possible. I'm going to reach as many ears as possible. How many People around the world have already reached out to me saying how awesome this podcast is. And from the bottom of my heart, I am so, so honored for having you guys listen to me ramble on along with amazing guests that are far, far better than me as a coach. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And please, 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 please share this podcast. If you want to reach out, I'm happy to email you back email me at rafal at empowerhp.ca or reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or any other social media platform that I'm on. And until next week, next week <laughs> you guys, see you later.